coming to you from a cozy little condo high atop old Fort Ward, Atlanta. Welcome, Welcome to The Ron Show on America One Radio. Here's your host, Ron Roberts. Happy weekend to you, and thanks for listening. We appreciate that on the America One Radio app, AmericaOneRadio.com. Also via SoundCloud and at RonShowATL.com. So... In the aftermath of the Memphis Police Department releasing video of their arrest and the, how, how else do you describe it? The, the, the beating of Tyree Nichols earlier this month at the hand of five Memphis police officers, five black Memphis police officers. We have more questions than we have answers from a civil rights perspective from a police training perspective, from a how do we react to this, how do we prevent this going forward perspective. So I sought out someone to discuss this with me, and I don't think I could have found anyone better. Reverend James Major Woodall joins the show, currently serving as Public Policy Associate of the Southern Center for Human Rights, He's also founder, CEO of the Major Wish Group, a former state president of the Georgia NAACP, and, and, as I said, he's Reverend James Major Woodall. He's an associate minister at Pleasant Grove Baptist Church in Marietta. Now, that's not all. He also served as an intelligence analyst in the U.S. Army for eight years, ran for state representative in 2016, and served on the state committee of the Democratic Party of Georgia. He's been a deputy campaign manager and a legislative aide. So on the heels of what we have seen from the Memphis Police Department video, we have a ton of questions. We figured, let's talk to someone who, if he doesn't have answers, can at least commiserate with us with the questions. I want to thank you for joining us, Reverend. You were telling me before we decided to start recording our conversation that you have heard from sources in Memphis what to expect when we see the video. So I know you have some insight into this. Also, with your experience, both with the NAACP and, of course, serving as public policy director now with the Southern Center for Human Rights, and as a minister, and, well, it doesn't need to be said, as a black man, I know you have thoughts and reactions, so I'm just going to let you have the floor. What I'm wrestling with is a culture that literally permeates through the very DNA and the very fabric of our democracy, from our response of gang violence to our responses of investing more in police. I saw the president uh, just today issue a statement related to the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act. This is not just like a Republican issue or a Democrat. This is literally an American disease. And Dr. King talks a little bit about it. And when he talks about an end to militarism, we've literally invested billions and billions of dollars every single year. Regardless of what side of the aisle you're on, it's, it, we both own this fight. For us to move in this manner, it is not inconsistent with where we have said we prioritize as a people. And so I understand why Governor Kemp and even Andre Dickens did what they did in response to this murder. But again... The jerk response to any act of violence is more violent. And that is what we have to deal with. Regardless of if it's a mass shooting, regardless of if it is a capital execution, regardless of if people are dying because they are too poor to make 
a living to feed their selves and or their families, more violence begets more violence. And we have continued a cycle generation after generation without the reckoning that is due this country. Mm-hmm. This, res- this is reminiscent of Rodney King. This isn't a new single isolated incident. This is a culture. We can look back to the civil rights era when governors who had no intent to have constructive dialogue when it comes to uh, civil rights, they were just quick to call up the guard troops or to send in the police and and batons and fire hoses instead of constructive dialogue. I I really don't see a whole lot of difference from that era to this era. And the, the beef I have with Brian Kemp calling up guard troops for this weekend is, my man, you've had more than a week Mayor Dickens, you've had more than a week to say to anyone who is opposed to the Cop City uh, development to say, all right, listen, we've lost a life. We've had an officer shot. That could have gone a lot worse. It's time for cooler heads to prevail. And instead of sending in cops to rattle trees, to send in folks who want to have a constructive dialogue. We just haven't seen that from that side of the argument. Well, because there there's no desire to have constructive conversation. In fact, when we had uh, the conversation about, you know, whether to grant a lease to the Atlanta Found Public, uh, Police Foundation mm-hmm. from the, the city of Atlanta and, and DeKalb County. There was never a constructive dialogue because there, there was an overwhelming majority of opposition right. to that proposal. Yeah, they didn't I was get- down there and I saw what, what took place. And in fact, the only thing that happened was they, they, they became way more entrenched in their position because there was such more opposition. And mm-hmm. so it goes to a fundamental question of what democracy should be. Because right now we have a very weak democracy and people are literally being isolated from the process. And so regardless of where we the people are, regardless of what, uh, what side of the aisle you, you land or any aisle at all, what's happening in public policy is not reflective of the desires and the will of we the people. And that is a signal that violence has taken priority of the day. Well, it's not just the day. It, it seems like that's permeated throughout American history since exactly. before the Civil War. And that is why the reckoning is necessary. And until we raise that point, we can talk all day long about the isolation of this murder. We can talk about police brutality. We can talk about, you know, George Floyd. Or we can talk about the private private citizen or private citizen like the Ahmaud Aubrey. But until we wrestle with the fundamental question of violence in the very DNA of this country from 17, the 1619 on, very mm-hmm. founding of our country was, was literally predicated on violence. Right. The erasure of, of human beings from this project, the racism that permeated through the Constitutional Convention, the literally dehumanization of people, human beings, transition into chattel, property, slaves until we wrestle with that the original sin no amount of policy will make this this problem go away nor make it even that much more palatable we have to wrestle with that and by the way i need to i need to also promote your book uh, wired for racism how evolution and faith challenge idolatry that is available on uh, amazon and throughout many bookstores we'll post the amazon link in our show notes later today we're on with uh, reverend james Major Woodall, and we're talking literally before we're going to see what happened in Memphis earlier this month when uh, Tyree Nichols was pulled over. This is a scenario where we're looking at officers of color and a black victim. I I don't even know the question. I just speak to that. Well, it is inconsequential, at least in my opinion, that they were black, um, mainly because race is a a construct that only benefits the the standard class of people. Mm. And so people believe that because they're black, somehow they should have a kind of sympathy or a kind of 
familiarity with the person that they murdered and literally violence has no indication or is no respecter of person mm-hmm. it is a it is a it's a cultural fabric that literally seeps into the spirit it is a spirit right that literally captivated entire audiences and categories of people it does not just exist in the white community it does not just exist in the police community it literally exists all over our world and so for for people to be surprised somehow because they're black that this should not have happened tells you more about how we view each other than we do the very violence that is being enacted each and every day right i think the thing that frustrates me the most is that we are supposed to expect from political leaders from community leaders and i look at police officers as community leaders they're here to serve and protect right what you're talking about, that, that initial, that innate almost reach for violence, we're supposed to expect better from our elected and civic leaders, and yet we don't see that. Again, Brian Kemp immediately, instead of fostering a dialogue, uh, said, I need a thousand National Guard troops so that we can have you know batons and tear gas ready when necessary. And with these officers, again, the, the, the initial reach for violence instead of any sort of de-escalation. I think the, the defund the police movement wasn't about taking away from cops. It was about adding resources so that cops who aren't prepared to handle an escalation of, uh, of violence or even a mental health issue can have that support from someone who is prepared for it. It's easy for us to have that conversation. Mm-hmm. It's easy for us to, to talk about police brutality as an isolated cultural phenomenon that there's a set of outcomes that could be preferable in resolving this this, this sin, mm. whether it's police training, whether it's defund the police, whether it's abolish the police, whether it's, you know, there needs to be accountability and investigations. All of those are great. And that's what we expect. That's, that's what normally happens. But what happens when this is no longer just about police, right? Like mm. what, what happens when we really evaluate what just took place? Human beings, five black men, human beings, literally beating a man to death as if his head was literally a, a, a ball to be played with. Human beings, regardless of vocation, let's take the titles off for a second and actually evaluate what is happening because it's easy for us to talk about police, but we are silent when it happens in our communities each and every day. There is no difference, regardless of our expectation that law enforcement should act one way and other people act a different way. Regardless of that, put that aside for a second and actually take a moment to think about what happened human beings acting like animals Mm -hmm. we're on with reverend james woodall we'll pick up the conversation after the break on the america one radio app america one radio.com oh hey you're still here hey that's cool thanks for sticking around not only am i host of the ron show i'm also ron roberts real estate agent slash realtor with exp realty that's right i help folks buy and sell residential real estate in and around metro atlanta And we've been through a crazy couple of years, have we not? Between COVID, the post-COVID market, the craziness, you could throw an open house on a souped-up tool shed and you would have cars lined around the block to come in and see it and throw an offer well over asking price. Well, those days are no longer a part of us and interest rates are a little higher than they were before. But I must say, it's still a great time to either buy or sell or both real estate, residential real estate in Metro Atlanta. Why buy? I tell tenuous buyers all the time, if you are renting right now, 
You are paying someone else's retirement accounts your money, and it might as well go to you. The cost of housing in Atlanta is not going to get cheaper. The population is going to continue to grow well into the 2040s, with nearly a million and a half new residents expected to come here. So you better get a house sooner rather than later. And if you can afford to buy an investment property, now if you already own your home, why not buy one nearby you as well and create some additional income that could be your retirement savings and you get to choose one of your new neighbors. Now, if you're thinking about selling, but you're thinking, oh man, I really missed out on that huge market in the past summer or two. Okay, yeah, sure. But the values aren't dropping. So you still got plenty you've earned just by owning what you're in and need to sell soon. Got questions? Feel free to hit me up. 843-283-0078 or email me ron at rononthereal.com. Georgia MLS 396-720. Website rononthereal.com. That's me, Ron Roberts with EXP Realty.